0: Hello to all our listeners and to the guests in the room. My name is Raj Atchur and I'll be hosting this episode of Reinventing Retail, the Cap Gemini Retail podcast. Social media has been a cornerstone of a brand's ability to both advertise themselves and their products since its rise in prominence. It's also grown as a way to engage with consumers quickly and effectively, especially utilising a wealth of data available to make informed choices and respond to changes in a very volatile environment. Today, we're going to explore some of the innovation and opportunities surrounding social media analytics for retail companies in the modern age. Our guests today are Shiv Tank, a senior consultant specializing in social media, data, and analytics, and Dee Reed, a senior retail consultant, providing expertise in how this affects a retailer from an operational perspective. So to kick off with today, where are we seeing retailers utilizing social media to their advantage?
1: So for me, the key thing that social media has allowed brands to do is really create this personal relationship with their customers and really understand them a little bit more. And I think... Brands are using this wealth of information from all of these platforms in in various ways. And I think um, the key ones that stand out for me are, firstly, customer service. So I think brands are understanding where and how their customers are shopping and what platforms they're on most frequently to tailor their customer service experience. I think, for example, brands that are focusing on the younger generations, like Boohoo, Misguided, they're using... WhatsApp to communicate and resolve their customer service issues. Um, Brands that have a slightly maybe older generation are using Facebook, like Ted Baker. They have a chatbot resolving any customer issues. I think um, the second area that stands out for me, again, building on the personalization theme is really adding that human element into um, brands' marketing. They're not just targeting their customers with ads of things that they think they might want to buy or things they've looked at before, but really creating the lifestyle brand again. So recognizing what their customers are talking about, what they're interested in, and really building their brand position on this and creating brand heat around it. I think a really good example of this is um, Kering's recent launch of their ep and um, tool and app. So this is an environmental profit and loss um, effectively a solution that allows brands and customers to understand the environmental impact that they're having with each purchase or each product that they've made. Um, and they've made this public, available and available to all other brands. And I think it's just making them stand out in this area. And it's an area that's really important for their consumers. Um, and therefore they're generating more sales by using that. I think the more progressive brands they're using, um, the unstructured data and structuring it and correlating it to consumer behavior um, and what then creates the urge to buy um, and using it as a stream in their demand sensing, in their demand forecasting tools. Um, I think they can also like look at competitor information that allows them to you know, see what's resonating with their customers in their co- competitor space and maybe adapt their range accordingly or try and strive to lead in different areas. Um, I think that um, the, the the other area that is, is very obvious is obviously new ways to shop. Um, so I think Instagram for Europe is is the key one that's landed. So obviously Instagram has launched their ability to Shop and this is resonating, especially with um, the younger generation. I think in, elsewhere in the world, this this might be other toolings. I think WeChat, for example, is is higher in China. Um, I think Burberry was a really good example of uh, using this uh, ability to shop, and they, um, new abilities, new ways to shop, uh, when they launched their new collection with Ricardo who's a new designer the first collection that he launched and um, 24 hours after the after it walked down the runway it was available to buy in their solar store but also on um, WeChat and Instagram 30 minutes after the show and um, yeah I think they're the key themes for me
0: yeah I think we've really seen a way to engage with consumers not just in both their products but for example helping to educate consumers as well. So for example, helping them understand sustainable information relating to their brand and all the aspects of this that they're taking part in. Going back to the Instagram point, Instagram's definitely been a clear winner um, in this space, particularly given this integration with purchasing for consumers, but is there still room for other platforms in this landscape?
2: Yeah, so I'll pick that one up. Um, I think the key thing with with social is is understanding the platform's purpose um, and crucially, each platform's got its own kind of purpose, commercial model, and I suppose most importantly for this conversation, um, the user demographics. So if we look at the people using Instagram, um, they're typically a slightly younger um, age bracket, kind of 18 to 29 years old. Facebook's got kind of a more um, middle-aged user demographic, um, and Twitter's kind of the average age, um, certainly in the US is about 24 to 35. Um, Again, if you look at kind of the people where they're kind of lo- located, um, Facebook have got more rural users, whereas Twitter have got more urban users. So the point here is that in order to win in that space, particularly from a retailer's perspective, you've got to think about how you're planning on using the channel. Um, and I think most importantly, um, Instagram is really been kind of winning in that space. Though it's important to note that I think Facebook is still the advertising powerhouse um, out of all the kind of three platforms I just mentioned. Um, I think where Instagram wins is it's got kind of the most rich and dynamic content, Um, and Twitter is almost kind of um, a media outlet in a way. Um, So if you're looking for something going on in the news, um, people turn to Twitter because it's typically trending on Twitter before it's even landed on BBC News. Um, So I think you've got to be smart about the manner in which you use the platforms. Um, And as I said, I think Instagram is probably kind of, in the world of social media, currently the top dog, particularly from a kind of consumer's perspective. Um, I think it offers quite rich, dynamic content. Um, again, it leverages AI really well, so it's increasingly tailored to the individual. So you're getting content that's really kind of pertinent to you. Um, and again, your your kind of timeline um, is increasingly kind of um, surfacing content that's going to resonate with you. So from a retailer's perspective, if you're trying to capture a particular demographic, it's really easy to kind of capture um, exactly who you are after based on the content that they've served, and Instagram have kind of really nailed that. And then i suppose from a from a monetization perspective again we're talking more about the commercial model um it's really kind of effectively doing two things one's the paid advertising aspect um and the sponsored posts and i think that's why influencers are choosing kind of instagram as the platform to go to um and secondly also um and again just to circle back to the question um they've done a really good job of tying back a post to the product um, and linking it to um, the original kind of Um, website where the product can be sold, Um, so kind of converting something from a media post into a sale um, is something that Instagram, I think, are doing much more effectively than than either Facebook or Twitter.
1: Just to add a little bit of context on that from a retailer's perspective, I think with the use of platform, it's also highlighting the importance of the geolocation, so if you look at the trends in China, um, the desire to buy via WeChat is massive. Um, and also from the customer service angle. So I know from a younger generation perspective, brands like misguided Guided are focusing WhatsApp to communicate with their customers uh, for both purchasing and customer services. But if you take a slightly older generation brand such as Ted Baker, they're using services such as Facebook and Facebook bots to communicate with their customers to make sure they're getting the highest level of customer service and purchasing availability based on the social platforms that they're
2: using um, most themselves yeah i think just to kind of to add to that i think the manner in which these kind of platforms are being used is kind of changed by kind of i suppose a political kind of context um and again from a data analytics kind of perspective um the challenge is kind of fairly clear-cut so i think post cambridge analytica and i was saying before that facebook is kind of the powerhouse um there's been a lot of scrutiny um again from the us government the uk government and others. Um, so much so that Facebook's had to become kind of a, a heavily walled garden. Um, and so the data that was once available about 18 months ago, no longer is to kind of a really significant e- extent. So the data kind of available significantly dried up. Um, whereas Instagram, you can still get access to that data fairly easily. Um, typically through kind of third party vendors like Brandwatch, Crimson Hexagon, Sprinkler, et cetera. Um, and so again, from a user's perspective, when I say user, I mean, let's say a retailer, it's much easier to kind of quantify the impact that your Instagram marketing is having um, rather than your your Facebook marketing. Um, And so that kind of, there's a bit of a paradigm shift going on there, even though it's the same parent company, which is kind of a bit of a paradox in a way. Um, And then I suppose Twitter is inherently open, right? So the point here is that they don't want to censor anything. Um, I think they are kind of trying to kind of get as much media out there as possible. Um, And so seeing what people are saying on those platforms um, is again, um, has its own unique challenges depending on what platform you're looking at.
0: Do you think that openness is something that will continue to thrive? I know, for example, Twitter this week said they're starting to look at um, doing a ban almost on political posts or political advertising, particularly given all the controversy around it. Do you think it's something that in the future that will become more open or more closed from a data perspective?
2: Yeah, I think it's a really good question. I was having a debate with this um, with a colleague earlier in the week. I think it's not necessarily the platform's responsibility to kind of censor the data when it comes to things like opinions, um, but there's already clear-cut guidelines, um, and the regulators do this quite a lot. It's the Advertising Standards Agency is an example, where any kind of cr- criminal activity, unlawful activity, is heavily policed. But I think there's now a bit of a shift into actually people's opinions and fake news and the kind of organic content that's posted on these channels is now, there's a lot of pressure on the platforms um, and we've seen kind of Mark Zuckerberg scream, uh, squirm kind of under US Congress's kind of um, line of questioning about this. Um, so the point here is um, I think there will be an increasing kind of um, pressure to censor these things. Um, again, data availability is still quite good um but i think from a again a retail analytics perspective this is where leveraging other data sources search google search data ratings and reviews data provides you with a really rich landscape of digital touch points that consumers leave behind meaning that you're not so reliant on social media as a, as a single data source
0: yeah so there's clearly a lot of great insights and innovation for a retailer that they that's been enabled from social media but what goes on behind the scenes from an operational perspective to take advantage of this
2: Yeah, so again, I'm happy
0: to kind of provide a bit of a
2: a view on on what we've done with um, some of our clients to date. Um, So in essence, a lot of the data is readily available, which kind of touched upon um, either kind of through organically kind of capturing that yourself as the the, um, organization um, or purchasing that as third party data. And then using analytical tools and techniques, you can basically um, start to understand what consumers are saying. Um, So let's split this in, in kind of two ways. Firstly, if I post something on social media, it's a body of text um, and you can use um, techniques like um, natural language processing, um, which is kind of governed by the principles of AI, um, to start to kind of understand what consumers are saying about a product, a brand, a campaign, whatever it might be. Um, And so you're starting to kind of pick out all the organic kind of themes, the content, the like, the dislikes, how well it's being received um, and kind of do quite a fair bit of rich kind of analytics against it. Again, if I'm posting stuff on Instagram, um, it's image data. But again, you can leverage image recognition, again, an AI technique, to start to bring what's in the image what are the associated kind of objects, colors, themes, um, and start to kind of get some insights from that. Um, and then I suppose when you're trying to do kind of more social media uh, targeting, let's say, um, it's fairly um, kind of standard in the industry these days to kind of segment social medias by their interests and passion points. Um, so the people they follow, uh, the type of stuff that they're posting online, um, and then you can subsequently serve the more relevant content, um, which is ultimately going to try to drive um, your your kind of improvement of campaign metrics. So things like reach, relevance, conversion, that sort of stuff. So if we think of um, myself as a, uh, a brand that's really interested in um, sports and fitness, um, you can see what people are posting uh, out in the, across the social media platforms um, and single out the individuals that are the right kind of demographic, talk about the same passion points as the product that you're trying to serve to them um, and then do more, much more to kind of tailored marketing towards them. Um and I suppose that's kind of what's going on in the background from a data mining, then an analysis, and then a kind of pulling on a business lever to
0: activate against the social media consumer's perspective and then taking that back to the operational perspective for a retailer, what can they do about all this today?
1: So what are retailers doing at the moment with this information so i'd say. What people are advancing in is looking at this information to identify what their consumers, um, their existing consumers, are relating to in the market, and using this to their advantage to develop not only their products but also services that they offer their customers. So, a good example of this is um, the EPNL app um, that's recently been launched by luxury retailer, um, and they're using this as an index um, for. Basically, economical impact that each purchase a person makes has um, aligned to the demographic that sustainability is a growing trend in the luxury fashion and particularly with their particular customer set. Um, Retailers are also looking at what's landing well in their competitors and where the brand heat is and identifying gaps in their product ranges. So developing products to fill those gaps that they know their competitors have and they don't um, to generate sales from those. I think the more advanced retailers are using demand sensing combined with historical data um, to basically predict their sales forecasts. So what we many of us have spent our lives doing is using the history to predict the future. And when you're looking at a longer term uh, selection of history, it's not always the best indication of the future. What you want is the very near history to predict the very near future, um, so relating it to real-world events such as the weather changes, natural disasters, and using this to forecast your sales, effectively what a lot of us have spent our lives defending in many trade meetings, <laughs> explaining how the weather is impacting our sales, but it's using analytics to, to do this for you and react quicker.
2: Just a point on that, Dee. I think you raised a really good point about sustainability. It's like an increasing trend. And I think what I've noticed, and we're doing a fair bit of work with Unilever at the minute, is that they've got a real kind of strong focus on purpose. Um, I think your traditional kind of marketing channels wouldn't necessarily be the right platform to convey your, uh, your, your brand's purpose. Um, so a tv advert or even trying to convey that message on a bottle or or whatever it might be the format of the product Um, but i think they've done a really really good job of capturing that attention on things like social media Um, whether it's a linkedin post or an instagram post to say that um, they're trying to if they're dove promote women's self-esteem or if it's the Unilever operations itself trying to go from um all of their energy being um generated by kind of green sources. I think social is the right kind of platform to do that. So it's interesting that you said that. I think it's a particularly effective platform to kind of really land those messages that really resonate with consumers. Again, when you're kind of you're basically getting a 30 second sound bite and you're trying to capture as much information as possible. Um I think that's where social really kind of enables you to absorb a lot of information really quickly.
0: Yeah, I think there's a key thing there about opening the dialogue with consumers on a much more individual basis. Um, So where do we think that future disruption will focus on with social media as it's clearly going to become probably an increasingly uh, prevalent part of our lives?
2: Yeah, so I think um, we all know that we're a bit more kind of glued to our phones and laptops than ever before, certainly in the developed world, and I think kind of even more globally than that. Um, And so effectively kind of using that social media to generate um, significant inroads, um, both from a consumer-facing and an operational functions perspective. Um, is key for any organization. Um, I think leveraging some of the techniques we were talking about before, um, but increasingly using kind of more cutting edge analytical techniques, um, machine learning, natural language processing, image recognition, the stuff I was referring to earlier, to generate insights about your consumers, but also automate the actions against it. Um, So kind of doing more automated programmatic media buying um by saying we've captured a demographic we're going to serve them content that we're fairly confident um, will resonate with them best um it's something that a lot of um a lot of organizations are really investing in um and then i think the second point here is is that social has been a really good way to capture what's trending um and people are pushing it harder and harder to do more kind of advanced predictive techniques um to try and kind of predict the future so what is the next ice cream flavor i should go and um make um what skincare um products should i have on my shelf in q1 of next year um and i think that's a really kind of um organic unfiltered way of capturing what consumers are really interested in um picking up those trends early um is something that organizations are really pushing to do and if they do so effectively i think it will disrupt the future of retail
0: yeah and i think Going back to that, as well as being able to predict these trends, being able to react to it a lot quicker. So, for example, we've seen Pepsi being able to understand demand for more health-conscious beverages from social media, but then being able to actually react to it and go and do it. So, From an operational perspective, how is this achieved?
1: Yeah, I think um, with regards to achieving it from an operational perspective, uh, retailers will be looking to see how they can integrate different levels of predictive analytics, including those that are looking at social media feeds. So, what a human has been trying to do for a very long time is look at the external influences. And I think what social media gives is the ability to do that in a way that has uh, aggregated the data in a way that makes sense um, and combine that to historical um, inputs that all traditional retailers look at. So I think retailers will be focusing on how they can incorporate that in in a more agile way rather than mass system implementations, small projects that can move as the times move uh, to look at how they can gain um, operational efficiencies and effectively move their people into different streams of uh, focus. So I expect there'll be some organisational shifts uh, in the long term with regards to where um, the job roles are and what the focus is of those job roles.
2: I think there's also a point there around kind of keeping an eye on the disruptors in the market Um, So if you look at Halo Top, uh, um, for those that that don't know who that is, um, it's a US-based ice cream company um, that does low-calorie, high-protein ice cream. Um, They basically capitalized on the trend of people being um, much more vigilant about their health. Um, They've also got kind of a vegan range too, so there's an ethics play to it as well. The point here is that um, they really, really um, quickly captured the ice cream market in the US, gained a lot of market share. And the reason they were able to do that is because they were quite kind of a light organization and i say light didn't own tons of assets there wasn't kind of a lot of bureaucracy that kind of stopped them from capitalizing on that trend so they were really able to one detect the trend to quantify the market size of it and then three gear up their end-to-end operations to get those uh, products into production all the way through to shelves much quicker than any of the larger consumer product companies were able to do so again i think in in the nature of um, the world that we now look at, uh, these smaller startups um, that are much more flexible and agile um, in their kind of, I suppose, um, operations, um, really pose a threat to the larger organizations. Um, And I think that's one also to look out for, Um, seeing how quickly a dynamic kind of uh, brand can pick up on a trend and bring it to market. Um, will be something that we see a lot more. Yeah, than, I couldn't think. agree
1: more. I can see that trend in retailers already where, as I hinted to, large-scale implementations of systems that don't get upgraded for many years, uh, being rethought about on how we can integrate bolt-ons of predictive analytics into that and utilise that for um, commercial gain. I think with regards to what I alluded to earlier with job roles, et cetera, um, uh, Transforming. I think it's really important to understand who your customers actually are and not necessarily just use the feeds that you're getting of the trends. So I think the role of a planner and a merchant will become to interpret their customer base specifically. So I think there are some quite hilarious examples of brands getting it really wrong um, using the trends that the global trends that are happening to inform a product that they're going to launch um, the one that sticks out in my mind is actually it's actually quite old but it was a, a burger king product that they launched that was Satisfries, which was basically a healthy fry and i just don't think you know in that example people aren't going to burger king for healthy food um but i think there's probably many examples of that across across the industry
0: Thank you to all our listeners. Um, that brings it to a close for today and thank you again to our guests in the room for their insights. Um, please stay tuned to our future episodes and to do so you can subscribe to the Cap Gemini podcast using your favourite podcasting apps such as SoundCloud, iTunes or Stitcher.